Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. Imagine finding the love of your life and you guys are having all sorts of amazing times and conversations together. You go over the house and you're watching Netflix together, having amazing home-cooked meals, watching fires and just telling stories, music, dancing, just an amazing time. The house is just wonderful and you're just enjoying your time there. But then one day you decide to say, you know, I would love for my friends to see you. Uh, let's go out and get a bite somewhere else. And that person turns to you, this special someone, and says, no, only inside the house. That should probably leave you a little puzzled. Why is it that you only have this amazing relationship within the confines of that house, but the person is not willing to take it outside. You can't take it outside, show it off to the world, and interact with your friends and family and what have you. In many cases, that is sort of what happens on the blockchain. I know that is a very drastic example, and I'm not comparing NFTs with the love of your life. You're so excited about this stuff, and you want to use it in different ways, but there's definitely limitations on the awesomeness, like all the cool stuff that is going on, and it's locked down to a specific house or a specific blockchain. If it's built on Ethereum, it's going to stay on Ethereum. If it is on wax, it is going to stay in wax and so forth. All these different networks aren't very, uh, they're not connected. You can't take these NFTs, these assets or these tokens, if you will, and just easily port them back and forth from one place to the other. So today we're going to actually discuss interoperability or cross-chain NFTs. Give you a preview as to exactly what the goal is, where this is trying to go. So that way these awesome NFTs that we might have in our collection doesn't have to just live in one house. It can be used in different dApps or decentralized applications. It could be uh, transferred from different networks and what have you, different wallets. And to really understand this, just the frustration of this, because I know a lot of people when they first come into a space and realize that, okay, I've collected all these NFTs over here. However, it doesn't connect with the NFTs that I have over here. These wallets do not work with each other. I can't swap them back and forth. I can't draw this NFT into a particular app or a game over here. Oh man, it would be awesome to have bored apes in a wax game, all sorts of things like that. So you see the different limitations. And Remembering that we are very early in this space, the thing that I could really think of is I remember when electric cars became the thing. I remember in elementary school seeing all these specs, all these flat, crazy, solar-powered cars, and it was like some uh, Jetsons future. However, when Teslas and and uh, all, all of those electric cars really made it look normal, these were normal-looking cars, and they were actually ready for release to the public. I remember the big thing that everyone was saying is, yeah, that's awesome, but it only has a 200-mile radius. What are you going to do? Bring around a charging station with you everywhere you go? This is just an in-town car and all sorts of different things. They're definitely a limitation. And I remember all these experts saying that this would never work. All these electric car companies were going to go out of business. And there's a reason why Ford and all the uh, Toyotas and the BMWs and all these companies of the world are not doing it. However, some people forged ahead and they got some companies up and running. Then came the huge challenge, those charging stations. Now it's something that we really take for granted because even here in Jamaica, there are Tesla charging stations. And I can think of there's one probably about a mile and a half or two from here. And it's actually completely free. You can charge up your electric car. I don't think it's just Teslas, but as far as electric cars on the island, those are the only ones that I know of. 
So to think of that even happening 10 years ago, it was just mind blowing. So that is where we are with the whole NFT space. Right now, it is the early adoption phase. There's so much headlines and so much news being made. And it's like that time when the electric cars were first coming out, because I remember a lot of people, reporters that were well respected and were reporting on the Tesla Model Y. And they're saying, okay, yeah, this is awesome. But this is such an expensive car that you can only drive around in town. You can't go anywhere with it. So if you want to go visit your family in another state, or if you want to make a road trip cross country, sure, in theory, that sounds awesome because you're going to save so much money on gas, but you're going to run out of electricity. There's no way you can bring your charging station with you. So there was a lot of skepticism about the whole thing. That's one of the frustrations that uh, we have coming to the space so early. It's because a lot of things are just locked down into these uh, walled gardens, if you will, that are stuck on a particular blockchain. And the reason why that is, is because each of these things, they are built separate. They are built uh, in a decentralized centralized manner. There is no standard or anything like that for that matter. So there is no rule or there is no agreement that a, a wax NFT has to be interoperable with a Polygon app or something that is uh, running on Tezos or anything like that, because these are all independent organizations. They're running there. Uh, they have governance bodies that are actually setting the standard. And so it's one thing to say, okay, these are all ERC 20 tokens that are operating on the Ethereum network. So whether it's Polygon, and all sorts of different things, they can work to try to come to some kind of consensus to say, okay, these are the standards that we're going to use so that way things can be bridged over and swap over easily, which is pretty ironic because Ethereum doesn't even follow the standard itself. And I spent a whole bunch of time watching YouTube videos as to why we have to have this thing called Wrap ETH. If so, if you're on open seas, you'll see that there is a ETH for making offers and what have you and how all of that came about. And it's really because all these other layers that were built on Ethereum have more of a standard and a consensus with each other. However, the actual Ether token and the way that actually worked, the original one does not follow that standard. And hopefully that's going to change in the future. That is a different discussion in itself. And that is more about blockchains and really going down there into uh, the trenches and is way above my pay grade. Specifically speaking about NFTs, the reason why it is so difficult or in many cases impossible for something to just easily transfer over from one chain to another is because all the mechanisms, all the code, all the things that's running it and making things work are just incompatible. In layman terms, this is like saying, I have a diesel truck, however, I wanna put gasoline into it, or I want it to run on cooking oil. Now, you can definitely run vehicles on cooking oil, you can run vehicles on gasoline and all these different types of fuel. However, if that engine, that vehicle is not set up to be powered by that thing, it's not going to work. So you can't just up and decide one day, I wanna pour some water into my gas engine. Gas is way too expensive. It's just cheaper if I just buy water by the gallon and pour it in. No, it doesn't work like that. You have to have a water-powered vehicle, which they do have, <laughs> to actually drive down the road. Otherwise, that vehicle is not going anywhere. There are coders and there are game developers and all sorts of engineers working behind the scenes trying to bridge the stuff over. And the first project that I know of that is really trying to do this, and I think in a successful way, they're probably the first ones to actually successfully implement this in a wide way, is the Draco Dice project, which is over on Wax. I spoke about that when they were launching, which I thought was a very cool project, headed up by Zach Com, the son of uh, Joel Com. You might know him from the blockchain hero 
Bros or the Bad Crypto Podcast or the Nifty Show. Anyways, they released this thing called Draco Dice on Wax. When it was first coming out, I thought this is really not anything special. It's just some dice. And I'm not a person that is really playing role-playing games, what have you. So why would I want to collect dice? Now, if you listen to that episode, you know that I ended up buying a few packs. And this is the reason why. It's because of the interoperability of it. And the goal of that project is to be able to use those dice across chain in different games. So for example, if I was developing a game that would be built as a a DAP on Wax, I didn't have to figure out how to get my own dice. I would just be able to use the uh, the Draco dice in my game. So that is one thing that my coders and my game development budget does not have to go to. We don't have to figure that out. We'll just simply say, okay, we're going to make this compatible with Draco dice. So if you own Draco dice, you can bring it into the game and we don't have to worry about that. Now, that is definitely still on wax, but the goal of the project is to build it in a way so that if something is being built on Polygon or one of the other chains, it would be able to bridge over. And there are definitely uh, wax bridges to Ethereum and to other chains. And as that develops, as we start to go into a space where these things are being rolled out and becomes more of the norm, that these things don't have to live on one particular blockchain in one particular house, if you will. So the analogy that I was using initially is you find the love of your life, that person doesn't want to go out with you in public. And that kind of sucks. So really, you only get to enjoy that awesomeness within those walls. But in the case of these NFT, you might have something that is so awesome. So once we figure out all the coding, all the back end and all the engineers get together, it just opens up the world for so much more collaboration, so much more building at scale. Because at the end of the day, if I'm rolling out a game, I want that game experience to be the best for my users. I don't necessarily want to have to figure out how to uh, design an engine to run dice. If I have all the framework, I have the storyline, I have the graphics, I have all the 3D animation and I have everything ready to go, all I have to do is make it compatible with the Draco dice, bring it in, and it just makes my developmental time and everything, the budget, just so much quicker and cheaper. And I think that is really the direction that all this stuff is going. Reason being, not everyone has the budget of an Apple where everything has to be in-house. We can develop, we can design, we, we can wall everything off so that it doesn't work properly with anything else. They have that massive following, they have that massive budget, and they have profits literally just rolling in. They're basically printing money at this point. So if they want to get into the, the blockchain game, if they wanted to start doing some Apple gaming in, in Web3, they have that infrastructure, they have all those devices, they have so much to be able to do that. Same thing with Google, with Facebook and all these massive companies. And then once these gaming companies start to really come into it, because I think that's going to be the biggest part of it is how to get these games to have assets that go from one game to the other. What if one studio actually wants to build on a different blockchain? However, that asset now is something that could be transferred in theory, but because of the technical difficulties of the different chains and all the limitations, well, it can't be done. Well, this solution, this goal of interoperability is something that will actually happen because in the true spirit of decentralization, it's not requiring uh, these companies or these small guys with a creative idea to actually have this massive backing from Wall Street or from banks or governments or whatever it is. It could literally be a kid in, in high school that is coming home after class and just coding in his bedroom or her bedroom and just rolling out something in a matter of time. And just to think how much this will save them, how much creativity this will actually uh, encourage and foster in because all those limitations that we are fighting through right now in 10 years time, 
I can see teenagers just absolutely just rolling out blockchain games in 15 minutes and thinking, wow, I can't believe you guys had to go through all of that. Have you ever had to uh, explain to an earlier millennial, because I like to say I'm an Oregon Trail millennial, I was born in the 80s. However, I'm speaking about the ones that were born at the right before the turn of a millennium, really, like the last set of millennials before they came to this new generation, whatever it is, I think uh, Z or whatever. I don't think they even officially named them yet. But trying to explain dial-up internet to them, it's like a foreign concept or a pager or a payphone. It's like, what? Are You mean to tell me that you couldn't check your email if your mother needed to make a phone call? What do you mean that you had to put a quarter into a phone to actually call somebody? Trying to explain that to them, it's just beyond, it's like speaking a foreign language. In five or 10 years, when we're explaining all this stuff that, yeah, all my Ethereum NFTs, I could not use that over on wax, I think it will be very laughable. So these are the headaches and the growing pains that we're going through right now. But I just want you to know that there are definitely solutions that are coming along the way. And uh, definitely just check out the I'm going to leave a link for the Draco Dice project down in the show notes. So if you just click on that, you can see what all of that was about. And I'm telling you, when I first heard about this, I'm like, yeah, this is not what I thought it was going to be. This is so not cool. And the more I thought about it, all the difficulties, because I wasn't understanding all the techno uh, jargon and all, all the, the difficulties that these coders were having behind the scenes trying to do this stuff, that I didn't realize how much of a feat this actually was. But once I did, I ended up just picking up a couple packs and I didn't even open them because I just believe it's going to be one of those type of things 10 years from now that this will be like the crypto punks of interoperability. Because like I said, I don't even really play um, role playing games. I maybe dabbled in it once and twice in high school, but I, I can't even tell you all these different terms with dice 10 and dice 12 and 20 and all these different things. I just was fascinated by the technology of it. And that's why I ended up buying it. But I'm not telling you to buy this or even check out the project for a purchase because uh, again, that's not what I'm doing. I'm just highlighting the fact that there are solutions coming along the way as far as how this stuff can work in the future. And off the top of my head, really, that is, I think the first project that was able to try to tackle that. And I think uh, dice as simple it is, is probably one of the best ways to do it. And it was a technical marvel or a feat. So with that said, I hope you found that interesting. And I really appreciate you listening to this. And speaking of the Wax blockchain, I know I just basically gave a plug for Draco Dice and what have you, which that really wasn't a sponsored spot or I'm not, there's no affiliation or a commission or anything like that. I wish there was. So if Draco Dice, you guys are listening to this, <laughs> hey, give me a shout out. No, I'm just kidding, really. But what I do have, though, is uh, some free NFTs that I'm actually giving out on Wax. And right now, the best way to get that is if you go to niftybusinessweek.com, you'll actually get the newsletter as far as it comes out on Thursdays all the different stories and elements that I'm not able to really cover on the show, even though it is a daily podcast, so many things are happening. There's so much development in this space that I would really have to put out one hour episodes or a whole bunch more episodes to be able to cover all these different topics. Because as you can see, what I do is I don't hop from project to project to saying this is the new thing that's going to drop uh, by this or whatever. I try to really look at all the gears and how everything is actually running and how businesses are going to be able to use this stuff, the application and not just pure speculation. That's really what I I try to do and what I focus on because that's how I look on the space. I do find some articles and things like that and I write my little piece. That's where I put it in there. But for signing up for that at niftybusinessweek.com, if you just simply reply with your Wax wallet, I will airdrop you a free NFT. And 
that is sponsored by me, <laughs> me sponsoring me. Other than that, you know, everything I speak about on the show, really, it is not sponsored. It is just literally the things that I find interesting. That really was a, a joke earlier with the whole uh, Draco dice thing. So with that said, I will see you in the next one. Later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.